Welcome, heathens and witches, to the Horn and Cauldron Podcast. Podcast. Yeah, we're back at it again. Um, so we're gonna uh, we got, got a special we got a, we got a special we got a special one for you guys. We have another interview. So before we get to that, we have to do like the intro thing, and then we're gonna have that, and then we'll do have, we'll have like an outro thing. You know, I mean, you know the routine. You saw the one that we did before, and I'm gonna assume that we're doing this the same because I have no clue. Or maybe this is the first time, in which case, hold on to your seats. So, uh. Firstly, business out of the way, if you're watching this on YouTube, don't forget to like this video, comment below, share, subscribe, ring the bell, and do all that kind of stuff. Um, the links, all of the like uh, like social links and like shop links and all that kind of stuff for the person that we're interviewing will be down below in the description on YouTube, as well as in the sh show notes or description or whatever you call it on podcasts for the podcast thing. Um, so you'll have that stuff there. Uh, so, uh, yeah, before we get into the podcast, uh, or, or the interview, who are we interviewing? We are going to be talking to Rissa Miller, and she is of teaandsmoke.com, so yeah. that's teaandsmoke.com, and, uh, she's going to be talking to us about a variety of things, but especially about capnomancy, capnomancy which yeah. is smoke divination. So, uh, so stay tuned for that, that's going to be coming up right next, and, uh, we'll catch you guys in... Just a little bit. My name is Rissa Miller. I am a seer specializing in tea leaf reading and smoke scrying. I'm a third generation tarot reader. And I also have an intense passion for understanding the history of esoterica, including witchcraft, ghosts, folklore, and how it kind of relates to who we are now as a society and how it all fits together. I live in Maryland. I practice and give talks um, all over the world now via the internet, actually. So that's been um, a really awesome addition to be able to do readings remotely and give talks remotely. And I'm absolutely thrilled to be here with you both today. Yeah, thank you. Yeah, we're excited, you. We're very to, excited you. to have you. Thank you very much um, for uh, taking some time out of your day and, and chit-chatting with us. Um, and uh, I guess where I kind of want to start with is um, is smoke scrying. Uh, we've done an episode on uh, Taseomancy, uh, tea leaf reading. So we have mm -hmm. like a little bit of stuff on that, but uh, smoke scrying is definitely something that we've not mm -hmm. really done a lot of research into as of, as of yet. Uh, so um, give us a little sort of uh, history and, and what mm -hmm. you do in smoke scrying. That's, that's very interesting. Uh, absolutely. So it is one of the oldest forms of divination, dates back to when people first found fire. They would look into fire, into the smoke to look for signs or symbols. Now, imagine <laughs> the realm of possibility within that is pretty vast. So capnomancy or smoke scrying falls into the pyromancy family, right? This can also include looking at fire, looking at ashes, looking at candles, looking at incense smoke. All of these things are sort of in the same family. Most famously, the oracles of Delphi use smoke. Now, some people say they were using smoke to alter their state of mind. Um, other people believe that they were gazing into it to find their symbols. And um, having, having used smoke myself to find symbols. It It is definitely a very fast-moving medium, and um, it is very direct and quick to answer. So one of the things that I like to, especially when I'm trying to teach it, 
it's uh, it answers you in real time. So, you know, beyond the simple yes, no types of divination, this is a, a system of divination that can create very articulate pictures. And um, when I'm teaching it, I always tell people, start with your cell phone. Um, start by taking short videos or quick succession of pictures because your eye won't immediately be trained to catch it. I mean, I, there could be someone who's a complete natural or maybe they did it in a past life. Um, for me, I had to learn to catch it. And it feels very natural to me now. But in the beginning, you definitely need to slow it down. Because say, um, I'm trying to think of an actual example. One of my clients recently asked me, will my relationship with my mother improve? And it is a yes, no question, but we all know that's not a yes, no answer. Right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. <laughs> that's a complex answer that's going to take time. So the first picture that came out in her smoke was a dragon. And I said to her immediately, which one of you is the fiery feisty one? Or is it you both? Because there, But there weren't two dragons. It was the mom. And um, it turned out that the woman who was seeking during the reading was a little bit shy and retiring in her personality. And she sort of would always give in to whatever her mother wanted. So the mom was showing up as a dragon. And there was a literal broken heart that came out in the smoke as if the young woman really is brokenhearted that her mom can't see and accept her as she is. So literally these pictures, they pop up really quick and they're very articulate. Um, I have seen faces in smoke. I have um, seen very specific uh, trademarks of certain people um, for those who were seeking for me. And I, I'll end up asking them, who wears a, a fedora hat in your life? And they know immediately who it is yeah. because the, to them that is meaningful. And so when I read symbols that aren't that specific, I do use the same language for smoke that I do for uh, tea leaf reading. And anybody who does this kind of randomized divination will have their own way of doing it. We all have our own little language or system that we use. Other people I know who do this, it's it's very individual. Sure, <laughs> I mean, there's some yeah. universal symbols like a dollar sign. We're, we're all going to read that as money in the United States. Yeah. But if I'm reading for a client in, you know, the UK, that's not really so meaningful to them. So, you know, the universal symbols have to have their flexibility, I guess. But yeah. um, outside of that, so there's a symbol... Uh, Here's a good one. I always read a squirrel as something is coming along that you need to save your resources for. So Ooh, that's good. Yeah. Right. When I see a squirrel and somebody smoke, I say, OK, so what you're asking about is going to be more trying than you imagine. And you're going to have to plan ahead. You're going to have to set aside whatever resources, including money that you might need to get through this. That's a really apt way to describe yeah, like for why awesome. a squirrel. Yeah. Yeah. Totally. totally. Yeah. Do you <laughs> find that you get a lot of things that are like coded for the other person? And so symbolism is so, so unique to people. And what, yes. you know, seeing a squirrel for you may mean resources, but for them, maybe their parents' favorite animal was a squirrel or something <laughs> like that. That there's always latitude. And it is important to approach this sort of open-ended divination with an open mind, right? 
there have been symbols that have come along in both tea and smoke. I could have never guessed in a million years what it was. It was only meaningful to that person. Um, a great example, one time I was reading for a gentleman and there was a picture of a lizard with a martini glass. And I thought, I must have seen that wrong. That must be a mistake. <laughs> and, you know, over the years, though, I've learned to trust myself, to trust what I see, to trust my intuition. So I said it and I was like, I, I might, if I miss the mark, it's okay. I'm just going to put it out there. He knew immediately that it was his mom. He calls her, he and his sisters call her the reptile. And she likes to drink a martini every night. <laughs> Amazing. That's awesome. So, oh, so yeah, so it, it meant nothing to me. And I remember thinking, oh, geez, I'm going to mess this up. <laughs> but I, I didn't. It was exactly what he needed to see. I find that when I'm talking to people who are sort of newer to divination mm -hmm. um, are always really hard. It's always really hard for people to sort of trust their intuition. How That's would you say that you really hone that for yourself? <laughs> That's a long story. So <laughs> we got time. Yeah. Okay. Well, let me start at the beginning. Um, I didn't actually know as a little girl that I was being trained to do this work. But um, when I was a little girl, my dad went to art school. He was an, he, he's still around, but he doesn't draw that much anymore. He was an artist. And we would play a game called scribble art. And the idea is you close your eyes, you put a piece of blank paper in front of you, and you just scribble all over it in different ways. And then you trade um, with whoever you're working with. Or sometimes I even do it alone still to this day. And... Um, then you start to look for patterns in the chaos. And That's so I, cool. <laughs> it's I, a great know, game. I, I did not know it was called scribble art. And I have been doing that since I was a kid. Just Perfect. as like a fun thing. That's so interesting. Yes. I've never found somebody else who does that where you just draw, <laughs> you just scribble on a page and then uh -huh. just like pick symbols out and like highlight <laughs> them or whatever. Yeah, that's very interesting. Oh man, okay, cool. Scribble art, nice. So I think my dad just did it to entertain me as a child. And it turned out to be something that we did the whole time I was growing up. Probably started when I was three or four. And when I graduated from high school and was moving away to college, we'd still sit down on Friday night and swap scribble art and color. And um, I, it's something I still love. And I think it's not only a great way to entertain a child, <laughs> but a great way to learn the beginnings of that sort of self-trust and seeing. Now, I know some people are trained using clouds or scrying in water. I'm definitely I was a clouds person. That's yeah. where yeah. it started. Yeah. And then I moved to sort of like fire, like specifically mm -hmm. the flames and candle mm -hmm. flames. And my mom is a, has also read tarot for as long as I can remember. Mm -hmm. So that's always kind of helped with the symbolism. And then I got really into tea leaf reading and mm -hmm. the rest is history. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, it's basically, for me, it became about learning the, sim the symbology language. And as you know, I mean, literally you can get a PhD in symbology. It's I mean, you can get it like from Harvard. It's that vast of a, yeah. a collection of knowledge. And when people ask me, you know, is this symbol right? The answer is always like, is it right for you? Like if I'm, if I'm teaching one of these skills, it's like, I don't know. Is it right for you? Absolutely. You know, like I'll, I can tell you what it would mean to me, but that doesn't make it the same for anybody else.
Yeah. And um, except, of course, for those universal symbols we talked about, like a stop yeah. sign or a dollar sign. Yeah. Those, well, and sometimes those, I feel like you don't really know right away when it's a symbol that you don't understand the symbology behind. Yeah. There was one time where I did tea leaf reading and I saw a like grape leaf. We live near a lot of vineyards. We live in the wine oh, country. Lovely. And uh, two golf tees. And I was like, what the heck is this? This makes no sense. Like I drink box wine so i'm not like a go to a winery person we're not that fancy um and neither of us golf and he was getting gas a couple of days later and found two golf tees from a from a place nearby and there's their symbol is like vineyard leaves yeah. like oh my gosh like that's, <laughs> that's the that's a... the that's that's the that's the thing that uh you know that you saw yeah I, I like you you had mentioned earlier about using a cell phone to record the smoke mm -hmm. I, that's absolutely i love that idea i love the idea of recording that kind of thing just so that way you can kind of like look back at it later i'm mm -hmm. terrible at writing down divinatory readings because uh, inevitably I just get lazy and sometimes the cards will just sit there or the runes will just sit there for like a week and, and you know, I'll just come back to them later. Um, but uh, smoke being uh, um, transitory, something that goes away so quickly, I think using a cell phone to record it, it allows you mm -hmm. to like move, scroll frame by frame and, 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 and really record that stuff. And it's such a great use of, of like, modern technology mm -hmm. in an ancient practice i think we yep. kind of often try and segregate those things it's like well this is an ancient thing so you gotta you know put on your all natural fibers and and <laughs> you know go out into the woods and, and do the thing and and i love all that that's you know but sometimes it's it's also easier to just like use the technology around you we know um a very long for a very long time my business my business is tea and smoke and it, i used to say um ancient divination modern outlook because the I technology, the technology makes so much more possible. And I, you know, I've had people tell me things like, you, you know, you can't light incense with anything but a candle. I'm like, really? Cause I'm going to use this lighter. Yeah. And, <laughs> or a match or sometimes right? the stove. It sort of depends. Yeah. You know, I, I kind of, um, I'm pragmatic. Um, as I told you a little while ago, I'm also a journalist by trade, so I'm always taught to question everything as well. And um, my thought is kind of like, you know, I believe that if our ancestors had had a lighter or matches, they might have used that instead. Oh, totally. Um, yeah. 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 Why wouldn't they? You yeah. know? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Definitely. So. No, I like it. Speaking, speaking of incense, is that your primary mode of smoke generation? Are you like a incense or do you use like a brazier or what kind of I use okay I use two different things and um I use incense and I use candles the trick with candles is you have to find a candle that still blows smoke so we live in the modern world people burn candles mostly indoors and smokeless wicks are a thing so you have to find a candle that's you know scrappy enough I guess mm -hmm. <laughs> to mm -hmm. still actually smoke, <laughs> um, which basically rules out everything fancy and expensive. Um, it, it makes it that you have to find the most basic, the most regular candles possible. And I don't have one handy, but I generally take the soot from the candle and make a drawing with it. So oh, I all saw of that on your website. Mm -hmm. Yes. 
all of my readings come with some kind of uh, walk away tangible thing. I do drawings of my teacups. I do soot drawings from the smoke. And everybody gets that as like a guide map to take forth, take forth and remember their reading. And I started doing that, um, A, because I'm also an artist, but B, because when I would get readings myself, unless I was recording them or something like that, I forgot I'd say 80% of what was said. And Fair. Yeah, or you so don't many like, remember the things that you want to remember. Yeah. Or just As like the big, the, the thing. big things. Yeah. yeah. And I kind of was like, you know, I don't, I don't want that for the folks who come to me. I, I want to offer them something tangible to keep. And so I also love that later when people look at them, they sometimes see their own messages. And that's just an incredibly cool thing yeah. that they'll be like, you know, four months later, I'll get an email. I was looking at that soot drawing again and I saw a frog. What does that mean? And I'll say, well, here's what it means to me. But what does it mean to you? Or is it just a spirit guide making themselves known? Have you seen a frog? Yeah. Okay. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah man. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or do you have frogs in your yard? <laughs> <Yeah>. Right. <laughs> Did you hear some lately? Or are you traveling somewhere that there are there are frogs around? Or yeah. yeah. Or there's no. maybe one on a sign randomly at a diner yeah. or something like that. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. That's, that's cool. cool. Yeah. So if you're using incense, is there a particular scent of incense that you find works best? I know that we kind of talked about the Oracle Delphi, mm -hmm. perhaps using smoke to get in the right mindset mm -hmm. and also using it visually. But mm -hmm. what do you like to do for the incense side of things? So when I'm using incense, I like to work A, indoors in a spot that's not drafty at all. Um, as much as I'd love to say that this is super earthy and I do it outside under the, you know, the sky, that's, that's a lie. Um, it would be so hard. Yeah. Yes. It's windy. Um, we don't really get wind because we live in the there, middle of the forest, but there there's it still is. enough wind to disturb yes. it. Yeah. Yes. I can't be running a fan. There can't be an open window. Uh, there can't be a vent blowing air yeah. uh, that absolutely influences the smoke. And I, I tend to work inside and I have a big black background I like to put up behind so that I can easily see a contrast between the incense and the background. Yeah. So yeah, these are, like I said, I'm also pragmatic. <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. I, love, I love all this tricks of the trade. I'm, I'm very here for it. I would have never yeah. thought about a black background, genius. Makes it a lot easier. Yes, yeah. don't use cloth, it can light on fire. Sure. Ooh, yeah, so, definitely. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so the trick with incense is A, to not have anything influencing it. And B, I tend to make my own. Um, I have found that a lot of purchased incense is full of things I don't know what they are, or they just don't list the ingredients. And I'd rather not inhale that while I'm doing readings. I mean, you're definitely taking it in, you know, when you're when you're burning yeah. incense inside. It's 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 becoming part of you. <laughs> yeah. Totally, totally. So yeah, for that reason, I make my own. I I grow a lot of my own plants, and I will make little cones and um, I have to, the main readings I get are love and money. Those are what people want to know about. And that's not just me. That's every reader. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's pretty standard yeah. as far as readings go. Yeah. Two of the most yeah. important things to, to modern man for sure <laughs> yep. is love and money. Yeah. Yep. On so everybody's mind. Yep. So um, for love, I make one that is mostly rose petal and um, hibiscus. And for money, I make one that's full of, like uh, cinnamon and star anise and spicy things like that. 
And um, sometimes I throw a little bit of sage in both. I do also make just a plain sage incense that um, is good for people who say, I don't know what I'm doing. I feel lost. And uh, that works great for those kinds of readings. Sometimes I keep um, jasmine around, uh, jasmine incense around, just because sometimes it feels like the right choice for certain people. Mm-hmm. So I, I kind of go with it that way. That's how I do the incense. And um, I ask questions in sequence so that I can literally, like I'll literally start with a picture of their questions printed out. And question one, and then I'll ask the incense and it inevitably always moves and answers in, in real time. And then I'll, I'll thank it and move on to the second question. And I always wait to let it go straight in between. Mm-hmm. Let it come back to neutral. Come back to neutral. Yeah. Yep. Yep. So that's exactly how I do that. And um, yeah, it's, I feel like reading smoke is very straightforward the not straightforward part of it is learning to see it fast enough and yeah. having having a symbol language in your pocket to read it with. Yeah. Yeah. You don't have the opportunity to uh to like pause the smoke and then no. like <laughs> through the book. Google a symbol or flip through the book or, or or what have you. So you kind of have to have it all sort of up there all the time. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. You know, and what I what I always tell, you know, students is the, the key is, like you were saying, Julie, is trusting your intuition yeah, and not doubting what you see. And sometimes the smoke doesn't have much to say. Other times it has a lot to say and the pictures change rapidly. And, it, you know, using the technology to capture it in between can definitely help. But you still have to believe yourself and have faith in your ability to see what's being given to you. Yeah, yeah. Do you find that it's more helpful to go into smoke reading with a question in mind or to just sort of open up and say, show me what I need to know? When we we both practice very differently, but one thing that we both do is when we pull tarot cards mm-hmm. or do tea leaf readings or other types of divination, we tend to open it up and say, show me what you need to show me. Yeah. What do you think is both? both? Yeah. <laughs> both. <laughs> do you get requests from people that are just sort of like general? Oh, yes. And I get very specific requests. Um, I, I did a reading a few days ago. Uh, somebody was asking if they should continue with their dog doing, uh, what is it called? Agility. They didn't know if the dog was happy or not. So that's pretty specific. That is yeah, pretty yeah. specific. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very specific. And uh, <laughs> my, my big takeaway from that, by the way, was that the dog would rather be a house pet and lay on the sofa, but it was doing the agility because it wanted its person to be happy. Oh, yeah. That sounds like actually both of our dogs. Yes, that's yeah. very dog. But yeah, yeah, our dogs have, well, one is a husky and she is so talkative and she will absolutely tell you how she feels. Yeah. And then <laughs> She's so sassy. She's so sassy. And we have a German shepherd and he is just like a big, sweet cuddle boy. And mm-hmm. he just wants to like lay on the couch with his head in your lap. That's all he wants. He wants love. <laughs> yeah yeah not all not all dogs want to work like that you know yeah. some do yeah. but not all dogs do so yes the answer to your question though julie is um i do i approach it both ways and when 
my experience is that when you're doing open-ended divination and you're not just like pulling one tarot card for somebody quick at a festival, you're going to get both answers probably. Yeah. Every now and then I've had someone come with a specific question that no answer comes to. And my interpretation of that is these other things have to come first. And an example might be someone who comes like, I am, I think I'm ready to go to graduate school and also get married next year. And um, I'll read for them. And, and it looks like they're not ready for those things. And some other stuff needs to happen before they make these big jumps in their life that there's a lot of things from the past, maybe that they haven't dealt with yet. People are never super happy with those readings. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think most people, they, you know, they turn to divination to sort of find help them help them make decisions mm -hmm. or to help them reinforce decisions mm -hmm. that have already yeah, sort to, of been to made verify conclusions right that that they've already wanted to come to I, I i find myself when i'm doing like tarot or runes i i try very hard not to ask questions which you know sometimes is a little bit of a weird way to seek answers is to not ask questions but right. um Purely because I don't want to influence myself on what I'm asking about. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. You know, it's, it's that, it's that like, um, well, if you're like, am I going to find love with this person? Like, yeah. obviously not with you. Yeah. We found that. Um, <laughs> like, if I'm gonna, am I going to find love with this boyfriend? Is it meant to be, you know, and you're uh, shuffling cards or your smoke divination? You're definitely going to be looking for hearts. You're going to be looking for the lover's card. You're going to yeah. be looking for that. Mm -hmm. And you're really going to kind of freak out a little bit if you find something that is like, you know, the death card or the tower card or right. something else that's a little bit more like a coffin. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you know, um, you're going to be sort of averse to finding those things that are possibly negative about it. So um, I I spend a lot of time on Reddit on of, of all mm -hmm. the social media ones, and I am in all the witchy subreddits and there are so many people going like uh, look at these cards look at these tea leaves what does this egg reading do does yeah. this mean that i am you know is is does this mean that my boyfriend is bad or does this mean my significant other is bad and it's just like doom yeah yeah <laughs> like here are all red flags honey <laughs> yeah well it, it's that again it's it's that seeking of verification you know and and you, you guys both brought up this sort of like trusting your instinct on a reading and i see that especially on like so, some of the witchy subreddits are it's it's very like i'm reading this this way am i reading this right it's like well i mean like if you read it that way then that's the way that you read it you, you know like mm -hmm. you i agree look with you for that answer you know and the other big takeaway for me when i'm looking at that kind of a reading like is is my significant other good or are they cheating on me um, I had one of those just on Friday, actually. And the girl sat down with me at a table and she said, can I trust this person? And are they lying to me? And I, my, before I even touched the tarot deck in front of me, I said, sweetie, if you're sitting with me, a total stranger, and you already think they're lying to you and you feel it in your gut, you already know the answer. Yeah. 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 We actually talk about that 
a lot in our episodes um uh, looking at the mundane before yeah. trying to prescribe the magical yeah is yeah. definitely a uh a, an exercise in both self-discipline as someone who does magical or witchy things but also is a sort of an exercise in trusting yourself yeah and yeah your intuition it comes back full circle yeah. again <laughs> yeah. it does you know then then she said well she goes yeah you're probably right she goes well can i win him back and i was just like why do you want to why do you want someone that you feel like you can't trust yeah you know yeah, totally totally i um and then you know when i did pull her reading it became a, a, a situation where she needed to love herself more and it was really all about her and not about another person at all mm. and yeah. i i wasn't surprised to see that you know, yeah. and I, I said, you know, girl to girl, you can do better than this. You yeah. know? Yeah. Just you decide deserve you deserve money. more. Yeah. 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 Well, and sometimes that's the kind of reading that I think that people need in those situations, yeah. not the, can you bring them back, but more along the lines of, okay, well, this is sort of its own thing, but you are in order to sort of fix that situation you have to fix the thing that's within you that's pushing right. into these situations over and over again right yeah. the thing in her that was made it acceptable to be you know treated yeah. badly lied to or taken advantage of mm -hmm. or, or, or just or not other, in... otherwise put in that position where yeah. you're feeling that way about you know the situation or allowing yourself to be in that situation totally yeah or exactly in a you know relationship that's good for the long term for either person right yeah yeah right yeah. and i mean not every relationship is meant to go the distance sometimes these lessons come along and that's all they are they're lessons yeah and sometimes they serve to put you into the place that you need to be right. at the time you need to be i um <laughs> i uh my ex-husband and i were together for a long time and when i told him i wanted a divorce we had this like group of friends we all went out to the comic book shop with together and afterwards we would all go to the bar after like a trivia night and at the bar he started talking to john who goes to the comic book shop and i started talking to john's sister who was going through a bad breakup at the same time mm -hmm. and john's sister and i became very close and then john and i became very close and we dated for maybe a year and then we were like let's get married and we're still together now so <laughs> without having it. that relationship that didn't work out mm -hmm. that was not good for really either of us um i wouldn't have i wouldn't have this relationship which is very healthy and fulfilling and is you know really good for both of us yeah i love it yeah, yeah divination had nothing to do with that but that's the way that i always kind of look <laughs> at things is like you're being put into this place for a reason and what is it that you have to learn from this situation yeah, to sort right. of like move forward yeah the, the arrow of time moves and we can take the opportunity to learn from the experiences presented to us in the arrow of time or we you know or we cannot i guess at that point in right. time. so we can choose to repeat lessons yeah well <laughs> sometimes we don't want to but the, yeah <laughs> It chooses for us to repeat those lessons until we figure it out. Yeah, I've definitely certainly. repeated right. sure. fair share of lessons. Certainly, certainly, yeah. Uh, yeah. So, uh, all right. So, you you mentioned earlier that you that you've done like uh, event readings sounds maybe a little is maybe a little off, but like so you 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 do some readings and stuff online, and you do some readings in person. Do you is there like is smoke generally always uh, like distance? reading mm -hmm. thing 
Um, and then like your in person stuff is more like tarot and tea just because it's more manageable. So my distant stuff is usually smoke and tea okay. because um, the drawings that I do that go with my teacups take a little bit of time. Now, I can do them in person, but um, it's not a quick turnaround to sit and do a pen and ink trolley. Sure. Yeah. And um, not all, you know, I tend to, if I'm going to do tea in person, it tends to be at a place that's quieter and sometimes even unexpected, like an art gallery, mm. um, where it's already kind of a um, very calm vibe and people expect things to move at a slightly slower pace than, say, a cafe. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't do smoke. I, I have yet to find very many places where smoke is safe to do. Um, that makes sense. There's always that fire element and yeah. liability and insurance. And there's that practical stuff again. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wind and, yeah. <laughs> mm -hmm. yeah. Yep. Other people so, breathing heavy near you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, you know, or doors opening and closing, creating a draft, you know. Yeah. It, it's mm -hmm. just, it's a very tricky thing to take on the road. Sure. And yeah. it's not that I wouldn't. It's just that when I explain that liability to people, they're usually like, no, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're like, yeah. let's do something totally different. Yeah. Um, sure. But yes, the cards are very easy to carry. I also do claromancy with crystals and that's very easy to carry along as well. Um, I just need a place where things can be, you know, thrown. So, you know, um, people really like that too, because the crystals are so lovely to look at. Sure. But, yeah. Um, yeah. So those are, is that those sort of like casting bones or just like that? Oh, okay. Yep. Okay. Cool. Cool. It's just okay. like that. I have a set of I think forty-five different small crystals in a bag that are thrown out and not thrown out. That makes it sound like discarded. That are <laughs> tossed onto a table, and sure. then I read the pattern in context of basically a grid that is sitting in my brain. <laughs> And I, I find the story that they have for the person. Oh, neat. Okay. Very Do you cool, also yeah. use the uh, sort of metaphysical or like energy healing type properties of the crystals when you do that? You know, like amethyst it, means this, lapis means that. If it calls to me. Mm. Um, so I, as I created this system, I sat with my collection of crystals for a very long time. And I wrote out meanings for each one. And everybody who gets the Claromancy reading gets a copy of that page. And some of them, you know, like when you're looking at Rose Quartz, you do feel love. It is a love stone. And I don't always read it as a romantic love stone, especially because I feel like it can call to like loving your family or loving yourself or loving your friends or loving your work. But yeah, um, loving a situation. Exactly. But, you know, it depends on where it falls in relationship to the other stones. And um, that's kind of how that gets put together. And so, you know, like uh, Snowflake Obsidian has its own qualities as a healing stone. But to me, it's kind of like the tower. When I see that, it means inevitable change is coming. You can't fight it. You might as well get ready. And it's actually the only one of my crystals that has cracked during claromancy. Oh, wow. It is not the softest stone by a long shot. But, <laughs> uh, it made me feel like I chose right for you. You know? Yeah. <laughs> okay. Yeah. yeah. That's awesome. Mm -hmm. So did you, when that one cracked, did you replace it with a different of the same stone? Or you're just no. using the, the cracked one. I do. I nice. do use the cracked one. I feel like that it's, it found it's, true shape so to speak ah yeah. yes yeah. 
Neat. Very cool. Yeah, very that's cool. really yeah, cool. I, I don't really think like I've that. I don't think I've ever met anybody that's done claromancy like that. That's very cool. So yeah. you have a whole repertoire of divination that you do. So I I do, and you know this I. I do love my tarot cards. Like I said, I'm a third generation tarot reader. I have my grandma's tarot cards. They're oh. beautiful old tarot deck. They are tarot de Marseille. And oh, I remember cool. it was a very long time into my card reading career when I saw the uh, Pamela Coleman Smith deck. And I was like, who are all these people? Like, why are oh, all these? Oh, <laughs> that's the deck that I grew up with. And I have yeah. a printing of that deck that that's I amazing. use sometimes. I let the, I have many we both have many decks. Too many yeah. decks. I probably do. Tell. I have too many as well. But you know, I, I was. I think. Could I give up one? Could I? Could I give give a few away? I'm like, no, no. I need these. It, it's just. I feel like they tell me when they need to be used. Yeah. And sometimes I put one in more of like a long term storage kind of place, knowing mm -hmm. that I'm gonna probably come back to that one later. Yeah. Well, so then you know, you I have like my um a deck that's for Yule. I have the Halloween Oracle. I, oh, I, I have that one usually, too. <laughs> it's a beautiful deck, isn't it? It is. Yeah. But I don't usually keep them handy all year long. You know, I, I yeah. pull them out more around September and they're going to be available to me then. Yeah, totally. So, yeah. Like seasonal decks. Right. Totally. Right. Totally. I know totally, that. Totally. I was just like, wow, when did I become so extra? But uh, it happened. <laughs> You know? <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, there I I find that using divination, whether it's different types of tarot decks or different types of divination, is kind of like understanding when to use spices when you're cooking. Yes. Uh, that's you know, a you're not analogy. Like, can you use cinnamon with pork? Absolutely. But do you want to for this dish? Is that the thing that makes the sense the most sense for what your, you know, what your end goal is with it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, no, I get that. And I think that's one of the best ways of putting that I've ever heard. You know? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> well, I definitely started out my like witchy journey in the kitchen. I'm like a huge cook and we made like an incredible feast for this birthday um, because my birthday is right around Beltane. We always throw a huge birthday Beltane celebration and it's Lovely. all out with all the food. And um, so kitchen witchery is sort of like the thing that I always come back to. Mm -hmm. When I'm feeling out of balance, I notice that my work in the kitchen is like, it is kind of like off, you know, I'll make a, I, I'm allergic to soy. So I have to make my own bread because everything is made with soy now, uh, especially yes. bread. And I, I don't understand why it just is. Uh, so I'll notice that like, oh, the bread didn't quite taste right. There's something off and I have to kind of like find the center and the zen Yeah, like recenter mm -hmm. yourself. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> No, I hear it. That sounds that sounds like a like I said, a really well thought out analogy. I like that very much. Yeah. 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 I just kind of always come back to food. <laughs> well, food isn't a critical part of being alive. You know, I think that most people don't consider it enough, honestly. Yeah. We modernly, I you know, I forget who I was listening to, somebody lecture on how we have um We've sort of lost our connection with eating and mm -hmm. our food sources and our food stuffs and our relationship with food because now it's this sort of industrious like um you know you eat at breakfast lunch and dinner because that's when you're supposed to eat as opposed to right. eating when you're hungry or or you know like that kind of a thing where we just kind of have these like very strange relationships with 
food these days. Yeah, or the idea you know? behind like uh, slow cooking, or mm-hmm. you know, uh, eating like the French or the Italians or whatever the whatever the like popular thing is to explain that sort of slowing right. down and communal eating yeah. sort of thing. Um, I find that that's the situation where, for me, kitchen witchery um, helps the most. And I also find that that's the time when we really have the time to slow down with the people that we're around to talk mm-hmm. more about. Uh, more metaphysical things like I have done more tea leaf readings off the cuff after dinner than I have done just standalone on on purpose trying to solve a thing yeah Yeah. totally totally yeah yeah well it's community centers around the kitchen around mm -hmm. food and meals you know that's that's the family sitting around the table yep um you know that's the that's the community at a picnic or a barbecue. I mean, that's that's the whole thing. It's recess at lunchtime when you're in school. You know, we're, we're trained all of that. Have you ever you know? noticed how in in most people's houses, homes, apartments, people congregate in the kitchen naturally? Yeah. Even if there's a comfy sofa in the living room or some kind of great uh, sitting area, people still stand around a kitchen. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and you know, you can sort of see that with some of the divination aspects as well. So there's tea leaf reading, there's, there's smoke and fire reading, and traditionally the hearth fire would be in the kitchen. There's bone readings, Mm -hmm. which we like yeah. some people think may have been tied to throwing out the old pot of soup and you have these bones on the ground and now you might as well look at it or yeah. A, yeah. an animal sacrifice and mm-hmm. you look at the entrails to understand spicy yeah yeah, yeah. It, it all goes back to yeah. that that food well, thing yeah well and you know like, like you were talking earlier about about herbalism you know it's it's the same thing with that like we know that food gives life and we know that like some foods can solve some problems and, and, you know, some foods can exacerbate other problems, especially <laughs> allergies and such. So, so it's that thing where it's like, we, we always sort of return back to this sort of like base connection with food, right. direct thing to nature, you know? Sorry about that. Oh, oh that's okay. Don't worry. <laughs> they were also like food. Yes. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> we said the word too many times. <laughs> But yeah, I mean, even historically speaking, in Maryland, there's old divination that links to loaves of bread. And, oh, and even uh, magical workings that have to do with, you know, if you infuse your wishes into the bread and then eat it. Of course, you have to eat a whole loaf of bread. And that takes some doing, I yeah. suppose. Well, I mean, not for don't, don't twist my arm. I'll eat a whole loaf of bread. So... Uh... Yeah, you make it a sourdough bread, that thing's going to be gone real quick, like. Yeah, you know, you make a good point. And I guess there's also, you know, no specific directions about the size that uh, it could be a small loaf pan. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I did not even think about that once. I was just like, I'll just eat a whole loaf of bread. No, whatever. (laughs) Is that more of like a seasonal thing tied to a particular holiday or time of year? Or do you think that that was... It is just a regional, old school Appalachian kind of thing from this part of the world. Very cool. Can you tell us more about that? I don't know a ton about it. I have not found any native practitioners to interview, to be totally honest. But like I said early, um, history and these kinds of old pieces of lore and folklore are one of my passions. And when I found the old stories about bread, um, I found that even governor's wives were were magically treated with bread and were, you know, 
given bread to cure, I don't know if this works, but you know, to cure bronchitis. I, I feel like bread is good for everything. I don't know if it's good for that. But, <laughs> I don't either, but I'd be willing to try it. Yeah. You know, I mean, there's definitely something to be said for the old styles of bread, like sourdough that um, have live enzymes in them and things like that. Maybe they certainly wouldn't have hurt when you were dealing with bronchitis. Or perhaps adding herbs to them, like yep. thyme is an antiviral. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, oregano. Yep. So yeah, totally. yeah, there's a lot of this old sort of folkloric magic. I mean, I'm sure you've heard the old um apple all the old apple lore about yes. how yeah. And it's you know how you eat it or how you dispose of the core or if you cut the seed or any number of variations on apples have been used in divination since forever. Yeah. Really? You know, I even Salem started allegedly with a witch cake. Um, oh, uh, allegedly. Uh, Tituba, one of the um, women accused of witchcraft, who was a person of color, um, taught two girls to make a witch cake. And I've I've heard varying accounts on whether this actually happened or not. I mean, we'll never really know at this yeah. point in the game. Until but, we invent time machines. Yeah. Right? Or you meet a good enough medium to actually talk to these women. <laughs> yeah. 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 But if they want to talk, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, she finally did confess to doing it. I think it she'd been tortured enough that this poor woman would have probably confessed to everything at a certain point. And, um, but yes, the whole thing kicked off with food. Hmm. Interesting. Really well, I mean, it would be the resource that everyone has and right. locally the same, you'd see the same cuisines yeah. and regionally you see a lot of the same things throughout the world. So mm -hmm. like we have a particular variety of sage that naturally grows out in this area, not in our area, but near right. us um, that, you know, so it's still sage. It's just a different variety of yeah, sage. Totally. Uh, and, you know, it's sort of, you see that sort of thing throughout the world from like an right. herbalism perspective. There's sort of always something that fits that particular subset of things yeah. Uh, yeah. in a place. Yeah. Oh yeah. Well, there's some sages that don't like to grow where I am. Um, you know, the all popular white sage that everybody wants it doesn't like to grow here. It's too humid and wet. And um, I, I would happily propagate it just to help spread it because I know it's being decimated. We've but... also had a hard time with growing that here. Yeah. At our mm -hmm. house, we have found the most success with pineapple sage. Mm -hmm. It grows like a tree. Yeah. Oh, and it's, it's so huge. lovely. It's beautiful yeah. and it smells, it smells amazing. It's it's yeah. The flowers, flowers are fantastic. Yeah. 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 We've got like a whole giant bush. bush. Yeah with leaves as big as my hand. Yeah. And it gets like the summer. stunning red, does yours get the red flowers? Yeah. Yes. Oh, it's so pretty. Yeah, yeah. very, very pretty. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so you've got so many cool things to talk about. I'm just like, what do we have time for today? Um, but before we go too much further, I want you to have time to plug yourself. So okay. if you were to tell people about you and what and where to find you, why we should visit your website, what kind of things you do, tell us, tell us, yes, yes. tell us about you, plug yourself. Okay. Thank you. So you can find me at teaandsmoke.com. That is my website. And you can get remote readings from me there. I remotely do tarot, tea, and smoke readings. I don't offer the crystal readings yet remotely. I, I usually have the people 
throw the stones. So maybe at some point I'll I'll feel ready to offer that remotely. But um, the tea readings actually work great remotely because it's just like the smoke, I can incorporate technology. And instead of having to look at a cup, I look at pictures that I can multiply in Photoshop by 400% and see even the teeniest, tiniest details of the tea. And um, the same with smoke. I am still able to send pictures of the smoke as it happened in real time. And I think tarot readings work great remotely, even without my seeker splitting the deck. I feel like energy moves the same, whether we're next to each other or across the world. And yeah. I have read for people on every continent now, except Antarctica and Africa. So marking those boxes off Love yeah, it. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs> one day maybe i i don't know about antarctica i don't think there are tons of people down there but um... yeah, not very many there's a station we can we, we get a hold of there's somebody. gotta be some yeah there's a few people at least <laughs> you know and also then in africa a lot of the divination systems are very different so i don't know if they would have interest in some of the same things that people in other parts of the world do sure but that said um i Absolutely love doing my readings remotely. It gives me lots of time with people without, you know, a cue standing behind listening. I think that's probably the only uh, true downside to doing in-person readings is uh, listeners in and the line that will stand people standing in line waiting and kind of like pushing you forward. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Seeing that line of people can be a bit nerve wracking. <laughs> and it, it makes the, the person seeking nervous as well. I've yeah. heard people say things to me like, oh, well, don't worry about it. We'll just finish and, and I'll go. And it's like, you, your time's not even up. Are you sure? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But yeah. yeah. So I don't get that when I'm reading remotely. I People have my full attention. There's nothing else going on. And I love that. So my remote readings are at Tea and Smoke. I am also a speaker and I speak on all kinds of witchy topics and also historical topics, things like the history of witchcraft in different parts of the world. Um, I do a lot of ghost lore programs, cryptid lore programs, and how they all sort of fit together. I do a history of superstitions program that is not regional in any way and has been incredibly popular finding out why do we do things like throw salt over our shoulder and it's nothing to do with the show Supernatural. And um, don't don't tell the fans of Supernatural that I think you know, I think they're I think they're very into it that way. So they're super into their salt. Those people. Uh, yes, they are. Yes, they are. Yes, they are. And you know the show is entertaining. I like it too. But uh, they did not invent the whole salt thing that that goes back into times BC. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Don't let Sam and uh, Dean know though. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we yeah. won't tell. Your secret's safe with us and the eleven listeners. Yeah. Well, I appreciate all 11 of the listeners and the new ones yet to come that are going to find you soon. Exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. Absolutely. And do you have socials that people can follow you on or we're looking at just the website? I have Instagram. It's Tea and Smoke by Rissa. And I have a YouTube channel where I post monthly tea readings and various other quick short videos, almost um, several a week. And that is weirdly Tassiography by Rissa 3440 which is the name YouTube gave it. 
Yeah. All right. All yeah. Right. And All for right. those of for those of you listening on the podcast networks or on YouTube, we will have those links in the description or in the show notes so yeah. that you can more easily yeah. we'll, find we'll, have, we'll have your website and uh, uh, social media and YouTube channel linked in the Perfect. description below for the YouTube video and then in the description for the podcast. So they, you know, you'll be able to find it easier. Yeah. 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 Well, cool. Thank you for all that self-promotion. We're very excited (laughs) about all of that stuff. I know I was looking at all of the talks that you have, and I think it would be so cool if you could come back maybe in the fall and talk about Mm -hmm. something dealer's choice. Yeah. uh, Whatever it is that you particularly enjoy. I would Um, love to come back give you a, a sort of a spookier talk for Ooh, yeah. yes yes i absolutely love the history of mm-hmm. all of these sort of witchy and occult topics too i delve into a lot of that on on our deep dive episodes and a lot of people i have found come to me and they say i need help researching stuff mm-hmm. and it can be so hard because i have a very specific way that i research things and vet things what yeah. would you say if you were to give somebody advice for how to research stuff historically uh patiently would be the like the main thing to look out for the first thing i'll say is it takes a lot of patience and um you have to be willing to invest the time to find as much as is available and to also acknowledge when you you just have hit a dead end and to be okay with that and um, when you are looking for things that are lost to time, sometimes surprising little gems fall in your lap later. And sometimes you literally, that, that is just going to be a dead end. I always, I start with the internet, but that's just the jumping off. Um, there is no way <laughs> to confirm that things you read or listen to on the internet are true. There's no fact checker. There's no promise that that person has any journalistic or scholarly background at all. And it's okay. I mean, the internet is a a place to be creative and do your thing. Start there. But then look for books, especially books that are footnoted. And um, I feel like if you are looking at a resource that someone has taken the trouble to footnote, you can also find those same resources, those same footnotes. Now, sometimes you're going to hit into things like this book is only available at the, you know, Columbia University Library. That's where you have to decide, am I willing and do I need to go there? And there are times I have definitely traveled to do research. I have traveled to walk, personally walk certain historic sites. Now, that's not always doable. You know, um, I live on the East Coast and I can easily get into Washington, D.C., Baltimore, Philadelphia, even to New York. Now, I can't easily get to Dublin to look at a resource. Yeah. Even sure. for us, going to Washington, D.C. would be a bit of a commitment. Yeah. Right? <laughs> you know, I, I mean, for me, like if my resource was in Tucson, I probably couldn't get there. You know, and that's that's one of those spots where I was like, well, you know, that's for me a stop sign. And I can't pursue that more right now. And um, that's okay. You know, there's always another branch to find when you're doing historic research, whether you're going to be interviewing people or looking for like first person, you know, like I was saying earlier with the Appalachian traditions, um, people aren't super excited to talk to outsiders in that situation. However, if you keep knocking on doors, sooner or later, you find one who will. 
And it's just how patient are you? How willing are you to keep going, to keep rolling? And are you able to, and this is part of my training as a journalist, are you able to put people at ease when you try to interview them? It's definitely, that's a big one. It's a skill and it's something that takes some practice unless you are naturally good at it. And most of us aren't. I, I know I, my natural inclination is to be like awkward and quiet. Um, I have had to, I have had to learn to be extroverted. I have had to learn how to speak in front of groups. I love it now, but that was an acquired skill. And um, I, I even took vocal coaching before I started speaking in front of groups because I had no idea how to properly project my voice. It was something I had to learn. So, and it's okay, I think, when you're doing any kind of research or like academic work like that to admit when you need help. It's okay. That's what that's what uh, professional librarians are there for. Yeah, they they are dying for you to come in and ask for help because nobody's using these resources anymore. If you have a whole day to go into a city and sit with a librarian, you can even make an appointment in advance. They will pull stuff and it'll be waiting for you. And they're going to be so excited. Usually I find so excited to sit and work with you on a project. Yeah, definitely. definitely. That's cool. I think those are, I think that's a really great way to understand and to think about the researching of things and sort of Mm -hmm. going back to the intuition thing. How do you think that this is like um, sort of impacted the way that you do your readings with your intuition? Do you think that it helps you to um, do things in a specific way or do you think that it's sort of compartmentalized and maybe a different part of your brain that you're utilizing when you do readings? Well, there's definitely intuitive pieces to doing research. You know, you kind of, you get a hunch when you're onto something. But um, when I'm reading for my seekers, A, understanding the history gives me a lot more respect for it. I am carrying on traditions that are centuries old, especially with the smoke and the claromancy. They go back to the beginnings of humanity. And I, I feel like it's my privilege to, to carry them on and to teach them to others and to spread the word that they are a doable thing. I think that it's, it's been a fascinating thing to me that people will sit and memorize multiple meanings for 78 tarot cards. But then when I tell them that they can read a teacup or they can read smoke, they say, that sounds hard. I'm like, actually, it's way more intuitive than doing all that memorization. Absolutely. It's way way more natural to your way of being than doing all of that study. Like, I I love to study. (laughs) I'll study with the best of them. Um, But I, I think that that's another thing people miss also about tarot and oracle cards. I always think of those definitions as a guide. And sometimes they fit together in a story differently than, you know, biddytarot.com says they're going to. No offense to biddytarot.com. It's just that everybody likes to learn there these days. And that's cool. I'm good good on Biddy for making, for normalizing tarot. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think that's a, a great, that's another great conversation all by itself. The whole act of normalizing divination, the act of normalizing manifesting, the act of normalizing herbalism and all of these things that became taboo because of basically the burning times and the witch trials, which are which are technically behind us. But people still hold on to the fear. Yeah. 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 Including witches, honestly. 
Yeah. Yeah. Well, it, it's something that we have touched on in a bunch of our other episodes as well is um, it's a lot it's a lot different now than it used to be. Mm -hmm. So I remember growing up in the like eighties and nineties and there weren't a lot of occult books. And we were, I was a library kid. We were latchkey kids. I read the entire, it was, it was UFOs and metaphysical and, <laughs> and, and aliens and, yep. and witchy stuff. Yeah, I read like, that like Wicca. whole thing. And, Wicca, it, yes. and most of what you had was stuff from Llewellyn Publishing, which really highlighted a lot of Wicca stuff at the time. Cause that was kind of the thing that existed. And, you know, it's, uh, it's funny because nowadays, you know, we think of these um, sort of like, um, 20th century pioneers of modern magic and mm. go, oh, well, they made this holiday and that has nothing to do with what this, you know, what this the thing really is. Was practiced in the region of their so, influence. Um, yeah. You know, if it wasn't for them doing that, we wouldn't necessarily be seeing things. So it's really neat because I know I was closeted um, as a witch for a really long time. And um, even when I wasn't closeted i still wasn't very open to talking right. about this stuff for a long time for fear of what people would say and what they would right. do yeah and it's so cool to see so many people uh, in in not only in this space but just sort of like outside of this in like you know the real world shall we say yeah um you know doing this stuff like people are getting tarot cards people are doing tea leaf readings there's a, a tea place near us that um they do like high high tea and uh once a year they do a uh, tea and tarot and I love it. do tea and then they do yeah. tarot yeah. reading and we see stuff like that popping up all over and it's um you know we live in a very progressive and liberal area of mm -hmm. california so uh for us it's always like well is it somewhere is it like that elsewhere and yeah, because certainly. you know we're certainly. so <laughs> sheltered well, in I that can, yeah. i can answer that one for you so my parents uh live in a town called york pennsylvania and if you've ever heard of the band live you know york Okay. Also the York peppermint patty. Yes. So Yes. So that's the town where I grew up. And um, it, it is a very small conservative type place, even though I think legally it's now a city because of the suburbs, it's still a small town feel. You can go into Walmart, Michael's or Five Below and find tarot cards, sage sticks and crystals now. And it's just normal. And that's nobody so bats cool. an eye. Yeah. Um, yeah. Even the historical society there, because I, um, I, I work with a place there called the Dark Parlor, which is an occult shop. Um, I do presentations there and I did a lot of research at the historical society. The historical society carries um, things about local magic, including um, in that region, their region of ma their original magic is hex magic or powwow, which has nothing to do with native cultures. It's actually German. And um, crystals are in the gift shop at the museum. And I was just like, we've arrived here. This is amazing. Yeah, yeah it's so yeah. cool to see yeah. that sort of popping up everywhere and people mm -hmm. being okay with it. Um, and it's, uh, you know, as someone who I, you know, I definitely have not been around since the burning times, but as someone who remembers a time when you yeah, didn't really talk about that stuff right? and understands what, who understands at least as much as I can, what things were like. Um, you know, even before that, it's really cool to see that there is not that there is the ability for people to speak out loud who they are yeah, and you what know, they're doing. The one thing that's really interesting to me from a historical perspective 
before the burning times, before Christianity even existed, there was witchy and pagan culture. And despite the best efforts of those who tried to eradicate it, it never went away and it's still here. Major religions have come and gone and this is still here. Oh, I so, love that. Yes. Yeah. What what is the takeaway here? <laughs> yeah. That it's going to continue on. People will always have a natural inclination to resonate with the earth, with nature, with the cycles that are inherent to existing on this planet. And that is what so much of the witchy faiths, the pagan faiths belong with. And it's kind of like, yes, I would say a lot of Americans have probably lost track of their ability to resonate with nature. And it's it's unfortunate, but I also strongly feel that the generations coming along behind us don't see it that way. I agree yeah, completely. Definitely. definitely. Yeah. It, it certainly feels like we are in sort of a, an occult metaphysical sort of revolution <laughs> with regard to people trying to find answers not down the like standard path trod right. by like our parents and our grandparents not breaking tradition yeah also. questioning well, f- finding questioning yeah f- finding a a deeper tradition in that you know in mm-hmm. in the like it you know for some people it's because they question or disagree with or have found mm-hmm. issues in the norm, whatever that norm is. Um, But for some, I think that it's just like trying to find an answer that sort of like fits better to them. Yeah. You know, like, like, yes, uh, we all sort of take the, take the path, you know, um, we get a lot of um, uh, like raised Christian or, or Catholic or, 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 you know, like mainstay religion. And then they've decided to go away from that because they found that they don't, you know, they don't resonate with that properly or what have you. But, but there's also people who just, they never really had a connection there. And it was more Mm -hmm. like the thing that you're supposed, you know, I think sometimes we approach mainstay religious tent poles, sort of like school. Yeah. You know, it's just like a thing that you go to. You just, you go to church. That's Mm -hmm. what you got to do, you know? Um, And as such, I think that uh, we're starting to get, during this most recent, like, sort of metaphysical revolution, we're getting a lot of that, like, like, well, what if I want to do it different? Right? Mm -hmm. And, and like, tentpole religions don't really give you the option of do it different, right? I mean, unless you're willing to, like, write a bunch of, demands on a piece of paper and nail it to a uh to a church door you know like 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 you know like old school making yeah, christianity yeah. stuff um whereas a lot of a lot of like witchy practices and stuff are very like oh okay like you just do that differently that's fine you know we have we, you know when we do like like um sabbaths here at our house i mean we have every type of practice you can think of all sort of, we're all doing the same thing. We're all around the same, mm-hmm. you know, the same fire doing our thing. And it's all like, you know, out of like respect and just like, Hey, we're all coming together to celebrate a, a time of the year. You know, right. and, you know, my dad attends all of our, all of our Sabbaths and he's Catholic. So he's got nothing to do with none of it, but he, but you know, for him, it's just like, well, I'm here to celebrate with you guys. And that in itself has value to him. Also you know? the Catholic faith is full of ritual. 
Absolutely. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yeah. Well, and I think to that point, there's a lot of people who come from a more structured religious background where they have a hard time understanding the intuition side of things. Mm -hmm. And And you mentioned it with the, you know, memorizing the meanings of all the tarot cards. And it can be really hard to go, oh, there's not a rigid set of things that I need to do, that I need to believe, that I need to say, that I need to memorize and to just sort of like allow your intuition to guide you. And that can be right. such a difficult path for people to walk, to unlearn okay. that that need for rules and guidelines and structure, structure fitting inside yeah. of that box. You know, I think that also, you know, as the societal embracing of paganism and witchcraft and even Wicca has been going on. And it, this is even statistically trackable. I don't have the numbers in front of me, but um, as of, I believe, the mid 20 teens, there were more people identifying as witches than there were as Presbyterians in the United States. Oh, nice. and, yes. And um, like I said, I, I'd have to send you that exact study. But even I would know, actually I, love to read that study. Yeah, right? that's very, that's very interesting. <laughs> but you know, you I have a very similar mind for researching <laughs> and the things that we really sort of like to fall down the rabbit hole about. So I'd I mean, love the to New get York started. Times and USA Today have both written articles about how people are moving away from mainline tradition. And they are looking for something that is going to take them as they are that is going to feel accepting, that isn't quite so patriarchal. And um, then there's also a large number of people coming into these traditions because they are passionately environmentalist. They care about the earth. They care about the fact that they're going to need to live on this planet after, you know, those who came before them didn't do the best job uh, stewarding it. And they come into this space where they're like, this makes more sense. You know, absolutely. Yes. Yeah, definitely. Yes, we definitely definitely see a lot of that in people that we talk to Mm -hmm. and resources that we look at and just sort of society as it shifts in general. Yeah. And um, I I identify with all those things. I think all those things are important. And I think that there are more and more people who see the importance of all of those things as well. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I'm excited to see where we go. And I, I am optimistic. But yeah, thank you very much. This has been a ton of fun. Yeah. Uh, super informative. Um, and, and we look forward to uh, talking with you again in the future sometime. Yeah. That sounds great. I look forward to it as well. Yeah. yeah thank you so, both. Uh, all right, guys, uh, we're back at it. Um, that was a fantastic interview. Uh, absolutely loved it. Learned a ton, a ton of fun. Thank you so much, Rissa. Uh, we yes. absolutely loved it. So informative. Um, and uh, again, uh, all of her links are going to be down below or in the description or you know whatever, depending on where you're seeing that. Uh, so go check out her site, check out her socials, and uh, go give her a follow um, on all the stuff. Uh, that was that was the best. So that we was look, super we fun. look forward to doing yeah. more interviews in the future. And uh, thank you guys for staying around and listening. Um, either way, I've been John Norgrove. This has been Julie Norgrove. This has been the Horn and Cauldron Podcast. Podcast. And uh, we will catch you guys next time. Stay magical, folks. Yeah, and don't forget, breathe in self confidence and breathe out self doubt. <laughs>